if you thought about what the ideal candidate or the ideal policymaker was, you would talk about all of those qualities that make a nurse an excellent nurse. Hello, everyone. I'm Angela Rosa Donato, And I'm Marian Leary. And you're listening to Amplify Nursing, a Penn Nursing podcast supported by the Panola Fund for Innovation in Nursing. Amplify Nursing features nurses who are leading the way in science, policy, and innovation. Our guests defy stereotypes, define practice, and disrupt convention. We highlight the breadth and depth of nursing influence on society by amplifying nurses who are pushing boundaries and breaking down barriers to build a new paradigm. Today on Amplify Nursing, we talk to Kimberly Gordon. After working for seven years in various cost accounting and managerial positions, Kimberly chose to pursue a career in nursing and eventually nurse anesthesia. While completing her Doctor of Nursing practice at Yale University, she and a colleague developed the first of its kind campaign school for nurses and midwives. Kimberly is a practicing CRNA, adjunct faculty at Wake Forest School of Medicine and Western Carolina University, and sits on the board of several professional organizations. She is the co-founder of Healing Politics, a nonprofit organization on a mission to inspire, motivate, recruit, and train nurses and midwives to run for elected office while building a culture of civic engagement within the profession of nursing. Today, we talk about nursing leadership, professionalism, and how by working together, nurses have the power to change the world. Kimberly, thank you so much for joining me on the Amplify Nursing podcast. We were on a panel together a few weeks ago, and I immediately knew I wanted to have you on. So I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me. I appreciate you inviting me. I love this podcast. And so I'm thrilled to actually be a guest on your podcast. So thank you. Sure. So we always have our guests start out telling us how they got into nursing. So what was your journey to nursing? I had a very circuitous route to nursing. I was a first career cost and budget accountant, and I hated every single minute of it. I didn't find it rewarding. It was a lot of hours to move up in, in that world. And I just didn't feel like I was making a difference. So I tried out because obviously i bought and paid for and and spent four years of my life um, studying business and accounting. So I've tried out a couple of different jobs in different industries to see, would I like a smaller job? Would I, a smaller company? Would I like a different type of accounting? And I just didn't. It was one of my coworkers. She was the purchasing manager for the company that I worked for at the time. And she said, we have this great nursing school right down the road. Would you be, have you ever thought about being a nurse? And of course I had never thought about being a nurse. I knew that I wanted to switch careers and do something healthcare related. And I had taken you know, a year of biology, a year of chemistry, a year of physics, microbiology, so I could go in whatever direction I, I was thinking about. And quite frankly, I was thinking pharmacy. But I went to, that was the University of North Carolina at Greensboro. I took that first intro to nursing course. I was maybe a, 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 a almost 10 years, 15 years older than most of my um, classmates. So they called me mom. 
but I am, I loved it. I had this great revelation that nursing was what I could do to make a difference in my community, in other people's lives. And it really did give me, it felt like it would give me a purpose and it's been all of that and so much more. I love when people bring other backgrounds and skills to this profession. I'm just curious for what you were doing up until now, were there any transferable skills from your budgeting and accounting experience that you were able to bring into nursing? Oh, absolutely. And fortunately or unfortunately, because healthcare has become such a business and I graduated with my second bachelor's degree, which was nursing in 2001. And ever since then, we have seen this trajectory of healthcare really becoming corporatized. And even though we're non, most healthcare systems are not for profit, they're still concerned about bottom line efficiency and So one of the things that was incredibly helpful was understanding and actually kind of depressing when you think about it, that nursing is viewed as a cost item rather than a benefit to a hospital because of how we're counted in their budget, in their balance sheet. We're included in the room rate with everything else with every other bit of supply. And so understanding that from a business standpoint was depressing, but helpful because it really allowed me to, I became a nurse manager and I was able to communicate the value of the nurses in my unit, what we were doing for the hospital. And in that regard, it was, I spoke that language. So it was very, very helpful As an accountant, you have to be very detail-oriented. Nurses are incredibly detail-oriented. The things that were, you know, that critical thinking and making sure that we're covering all of the bases. A lot of what I did in accounting as far as thought process and um, was extremely helpful to nursing, but working in a health system, that business background was just invaluable. I want to talk about something you just said about nurses being rolled into the room rates. Why do you think that is so problematic? And I know that there's a big movement right now to change that led by Rebecca Love and some others. And can you speak to any of that also? I am so excited to see that movement only because it's problematic because we're overhead. We're no different than the lights or the heat or the water that flows into the hospital, we are viewed exactly the same way. So the cost of nursing is viewed the same way it is with the electricity bill. So when you think about nursing, you're not thinking about an ICU nurse with five years of experience and coming from this sort of background to this unit now and what he or she brings to the table, all of those, um, because, I have no value as a nurse. All I am is a salary. I'm a a line on a budget that says, well, this unit, if they hire this nurse is going to pay this much and it's going to be figured in to everything else in that budget. So for example, I'm, I'm a certified registered nurse anesthetist. So my time as a CRNA and as APRNs, we can bill for our services kind of like lawyers bill for their time. 
I am a value to the hospital when I am in the OR delivering anesthesia and I can bill for that. So you can look at Kimberly Gordon CRNA and see she did 15 cataracts today. She did four general, um, general surgery cases and she made the hospital this much money. And that is, that's very powerful. And nurses in their work are so valuable to the functioning of a hospital. Anybody that comes into a hospital for healthcare stays because they need nursing care. But how we how we budget our healthcare systems, that doesn't come through at all when it comes to nursing. It's a line item and not a value added service that we're bringing. Yeah, I mean, it's really important, the work that that committee is doing. I really hope it goes through because you're right, like the value is just not shown in the way that nurses are budgeted for. So, yeah, I hope that goes through and I really appreciate the work the committee is doing. So you talked about, you know, you are a nurse anesthetist. So you graduated with your bachelor's in nursing and then what? So I graduated, of course, it was 2001 was another nursing shortage, or I don't know that we've actually been out of a nursing shortage since I entered nursing in 2001, but I went right into the ICU and I loved it. I worked in the cardiothoracic ICU and at that point I was tapped for a management position and I worked, I managed a neuro ICU and while I loved the opportunity to mentor and manage nurses, I didn't want to walk too far away from the bedside. And in order to move up and, and move through the ranks as a manager, a leader, that's eventually going to take you away from the bedside. And I really didn't want to do that because that's where my cup was filled in nursing. I liked making a difference in families and patients and my coworkers' lives. I felt like that's where I was doing the most good. So at that point, instead of moving up, I moved out and I went back to get my master's degree in nurse anesthesia. I graduated in 2007 and worked as a full-time nurse anesthetist until 2016. At that point, I joined the faculty at Wake Forest School of Medicine's Department of Nursing, and I was a nurse anesthesia and a DNP faculty member there. And you might be thinking, well, how could you teach in a DNP course with a master's degree? And you would be thinking correctly, because that's exactly what our department head was thinking. So I was originally going to go back and get a Juris Doctor. I was gonna, I was heading to law school, but instead I learned about Yale's Health Systems Leadership and Policy DNP. And I always had a love of policy and advocacy for nursing, in nursing, in healthcare. And so I pursued my DNP at Yale School of Nursing. And that is where that's what brought me to what I'm doing today with healing politics. Yes. So that is really what I want to talk with you about today. The work that you're doing with healing politics. Um, can you talk about what healing politics is? And then we can get into why it's so important for nurses to be involved in civic engagement and all the other political realms, you know, nurses should really be participating in. 
I would love to. So at I so, knew you would. <laughs> so healing politics is actually proof that a DNP project can be sustainable. That is what healing politics came from. Um, my project at Yale was looking at why more nurses don't run for elected office. And I did that by looking at nurses who had run for office and what barriers or facilitators they faced when they did make a run for office. And so what helped them about being a nurse? What was, as a nurse, what was more challenging for them about running for office? So I'd interviewed nurses from local, state, federal positions, people who'd won and lost, and talked to them about their run, their transition from nurse to candidate. Meanwhile, one of my classmates was working on looking at campaign schools, kind of best practices for campaign schools, what all campaign schools, um, what you learned in campaign school, how long they were, who they were for, how big they were. And so she took that information. I took the information from these interviews and we did what I call my advisor's DNP project, a third project, which was creating a campaign school for nurses and midwives. And so we did that at Yale. It was planned for May of 2020. <laughs> so we all know what happened. We had to cancel the campaign school. So we never did get to run it. But I graduated in 2021 and I couldn't let this idea go. So my advisor and I joined together. She quote unquote retired from Yale and I, we worked together to create healing politics. And we did this as a bigger initiative than just a campaign school. We are looking at not just inspiring, motivating, recruiting, training nurses and midwives to run for elected office, but increasing the civic engagement of nurses and midwives. So when a nurse or midwife runs for office, we're not all going to run, that their colleagues jump in to help them and they know how to do that. And they know the importance of having a colleague in elected office. And so the back end of that mission statement, increasing the civic engagement within the professions is the much bigger lift. It's the much more varied lift. And so that is, that's what we're working on right now. We did hold the campaign school in May of 2023, finally, almost three years to the day of when it was originally supposed to be held. And since we formed the organization in December of 2021, we have been reaching out to nurses, organization by organization, nurse by nurse, to help them understand the importance of the voice that they have and the difference that they can make in a bigger healthcare sphere advocating for patients and communities. So I want to go back to something you said about helping nurses transition from nurse to candidate. What does that look like? And what skills do nurses already have that make them a good candidate to run for political office? Oh, so, so many, so, so many. First of all, the first thing off the bat, when you think about how policy is made, it's really a quality improvement project. We have learned in nursing, our very basis of our nursing education is assessing a patient, diag making a diagnosis, 
creating a plan, implementing that plan, and then evaluating that plan. ADPI, we all learn that as nurses, and, and some of us may cringe when you think about that, but that helps us be excellent policymakers. When we look at whether it's an environmental issue or a housing issue or an education issue, nurses view all of those issues as policy as health policy issues, because there is health in all policy. And we know that we're schooled in the social determinants of health. We're schooled in holistic health. We don't look at a patient as a pair of lungs or a heart or a gallbladder. We look at them as a 45 year old woman with two young children who may have just had an MI who is a single mom and is going to you know, now spend some time in a, a hospital after an open heart surgery and has to worry about what's going to happen to her kids, what's going to, you know, who's going to get them to school, who's going to take care of her house while she's gone. That's what we do as nurses. We problem solve. We look at the bigger picture. And that is, if you think about what's missing from our policy and what's missing from a lot of the laws that are made, the unintended consequences, it's not maliciously made that way. It's just because you have people looking at a problem, trying to solve a problem and nurses approach things drastically differently. We're also excellent communicators. We can speak with a patient who doesn't, who can't read or sign their name to talk about a consent form for a procedure or a form that needs to be filled out in the hospital. And likewise, if the CNO comes on our unit, we can talk to them about what the unit needs, what the unit does. And we communicate with an entire range of people about an entirely vast variety of issues. And we do that, we can flip in and out of that so easily. We can make connections with people. And that's exactly what, if you thought about what the ideal candidate or the ideal policymaker was, you would talk about all of those qualities that make a nurse an excellent nurse. For folks listening who think nurses and other healthcare providers should just stay in their lane, stay in healthcare, not get involved in politics. You know, there's a folks who don't think nurses should be political. What do you say to them? And why do you feel so strongly that nurses should be engaged in these spaces? Well, our own, one of the biggest barriers I face is that nurses hear politics and policy, and they just put their hands up and say, you know, I don't deal with that. But when you ask them about, A, the code of ethics, it's written right in there about social justice and health policy and advocating for our patients and our communities. And that is what the work of an elected official is. That is part of our response or professional responsibility as nurses. But also when you think about a patient who's quote unquote non-compliant, rarely are patients not taking a medication because they just don't feel like it. They may be take, not taking that medication because they can't read the directions or they don't understand the directions, or maybe they can't afford that medication, or there's no place to get it in their community, or there's no public transportation to get them to the place in the community where they could purchase that medicine. So when we think about the social determinants of health, that's what policy is made for. Policy is made to address 
issues and shortfalls with the social determinants of health and people in communities. And we saw that, we really saw that during COVID. Nurses understood all of those inequities that were brought out by COVID. I bet you, if you walked on any, in any healthcare facility anywhere in the United States and you asked a nurse what the problems were, they could have told you that in 2019. We didn't need 2020 to happen to understand all of those things. And so for people who are not nurses who are saying, well, you're a one trick pony, you understand healthcare, but you don't understand anything else. I would give them that same example. The first time that I had to discharge a homeless patient the first time that I had to take care of a patient, transportation that they were relying on was late and now they've missed their surgery. All of those things that we see are very valid. We are experts in all of these areas of health policy. We just don't think about it that way because nurses just think of that as part of nursing and part of their job and responsibility. You mentioned earlier that not every nurse is going to run for political office. And I am a big proponent of that there are so many other ways for nurses to be civically engaged. Can you talk about some of the other ways that you think nurses could engage in nonpartisan activities? Oh, absolutely. There are, when you think about civic engagement, even jury duty is a civic engagement. Um, That is serving on a jury is actually helping your community. Registering voters is extremely important. And that, Marion, is how we met on the um, vote ER panel that we spoke on together. Um, The idea that we could be asking our patients, just like we say, do you wear your seatbelt? Do you have enough food to eat? Do you exercise three times a week? Are you registered to vote? That's completely nonpartisan. We're not going to tell them who to vote for or who I'm voting for, but making sure that their voice is heard. We now know that communities that vote are healthier, people who are civically engaged, the more people civically engaged in a community, the healthier that community is. And then voting in every election. Oh my goodness. When there was a study that was done a few years back And it was done about physicians and physicians vote on whole less than 10% less than the general population. And we all know that our voter turnout is pretty crappy as a general population of all registered voters. So I would, I would argue that nurses probably don't turn out to vote even in numbers that the general public did, but if they did, if they spent some time looking at the available candidates for those local state and federal offices and evaluating them on their lens of health and all policy. I think we'd elect better people and I think we'd have better people running and we'd have a much more civically engaged nursing workforce. And that is where change is made within the profession as well. When we talk about policy changes, not just for patients, but for the profession, for things like how we bill for nursing services, how nursing services are remunerated or scope of practice issues or where locations of practice, all of those things are policy decisions that are decided by lawyers and business people and real estate agents and teachers. They're not decided by nurses. 
Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, you mentioned the physicians voting less than the general public. Nurses also vote less than the general public, and they are the least likely group of healthcare providers to vote. So to your point, we are almost 5 million strong. If all of the nurses voted, could you imagine the different direction this country could go in with our knowledge and expertise of, like you said, social determinants of health, healthcare, public health, we'd be in a very different place. Oh, we would be, we would be in a much different place. When you think about promoting health and the health of an individual or a community or a family, that is, we understand all of that. And if we were all rowing in the same direction, not only would our policies be better, but people would be clamoring for the approval of a nursing organization or a group of nurses, or they would be seeking us out for policy decisions. But that starts with recognizing the power that you have. And there is such talk about kinetic and potential energy. There's such potential energy in the nursing workforce, and we've never wielded that before. But just think about what we could accomplish if we did. Well, Kimberly, I have so enjoyed talking with you today. I want to ask one last question. Where is healing politics going? You had your class in May of 2023. What's next? So next is fundraising. We are we want to hold a campaign school every year. Um, Lisa and I have been self-funding this initiative. We did get help from sponsors um, with offsetting the cost of the campaign school, but standing up the organization as it is, is the two of us. So we have so many um, ideas and educational sessions that we could lead and create to help nurses become more civically engaged. We want to work with all of the nursing organizations, the state and the national nursing organizations out there to build on what they're doing with regards to advocacy. All of those organizations do some advocacy work. Nurses are learning that in those organizations. And we want to build on that work so that when a nurse or a midwife says, I'm going to run for elected office. Everybody's running to say, how can I help? Can I volunteer? Can I even, can I work a shift for you? Can I pick your kids up from school? What can I do to help you get there? Because we need you there. That is ultimately where we want to go. We've got a long way to get there, but we are working on it little by little. We have monthly, we have virtual events every single month that touch on a different aspect of either campaigning or um, civic engagement. So we, we are really reaching out to nurses one by one to get this snowball into the those snowflakes into a snowball that becomes the avalanche that really changes nursing. If folks want to find those sessions or donate or get involved, where can they find you? We are on LinkedIn. Um, we are on Facebook. We have a corporate Facebook page. We have an Instagram page. And our website is healing-politics, spelled out, dot org. Well, Kimberly, thank you so much for all the work you're doing promoting 
civic engagement and encouraging nurses to run for office. We need it. We need you. We need your organization. So I really appreciate it. Right back at you, Marian. I mean, this, the podcast, the work that you are doing at the University of Pennsylvania and innovation and bringing nurses forward who are thinking out of the box and doing different and innovative things. It's so very important that we see what we're capable of and hopefully that'll keep moving us forward. Couldn't agree more. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, Angela. Hello, Marion. How's it going? It's amazing. How are you? I'm good. This is our first end of podcast conversation for season eight. So I'm super excited to talk to you. I missed you. Yeah, I missed you too. I was away for a little while. So um, I was I was out of the mix, but I'm happy to be back. Oh, I'm happy to have you back. And I'm happy to talk about episode three with Kimberly Gordon. How amazing is she? Yeah. Um, incredible. Uh, I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed the conversation. I did not realize how familiar I was with Kimberly's work. I think it was her specifically, I wasn't quite familiar with, um, but I'm very, very familiar with the project that she's working on. And I think that it's something that's really so important and so needed to really teach nurses about the importance of advocacy and policy work. Yeah, I thought of you the entire time I was talking with her and I kept thinking, boy, Angela should really be doing this interview. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think it's no secret how I feel about nurses being more civically engaged in um, both in their professional life and in their personal life. So it was really nice to talk with Kimberly and hear about what she's doing to try and prepare nurses to feel more confident to do these things, whether that's running for office or whether that's just going out and registering voters and um, all of the other myriad of ways nurses can be civically engaged. Agreed. And her partner in this endeavor, Dr. Lisa Summer, I had the pleasure of working with her when I was at Yale. She was one of our instructors and she was instrumental in really pushing me forward in the advocacy work that I had been doing. I was kind of like a baby at it at the time when I had started at Yale, just sort of getting my feet wet and learning about it a little bit. And and things like that. And she really, really pushed us to be confident in, in the things that we knew and to be really expressive about what we knew needed to change. So I think that, um, you know, having this platform, it's not just about getting people to run for office, but it's, it's, explaining to people how important it is to be a, an engaged citizen of the profession. Yeah, totally, for sure. And, um, you know, Kimberly said it best. Kimberly said it best, right? Like nurses are already prepared to run for office and be politically engaged. All of the skills that we have are transferable and make us hyper qualified for these different roles and positions. And so if nurses understood that, 
and could feel more confident in that. Imagine how many more nurses we could have, you know, specifically running for office, but then out doing all these other things to help campaigns and to help other nurses get elected. Amplify Nursing is hosted by Dr. Angela Rosa Donato and Marion Leary and produced by the University of Pennsylvania School of Nursing, with special thanks to Jonathan Zhu for his assistance. Music for the podcast was created by Harper Leary. The podcast is made possible by the Krista and Rich Panola Fund for Innovation in Nursing. Follow us on Twitter at Penn Nursing. Until next time, keep pushing over, under, around, and through. We want to thank you for listening to the Amplify Nursing podcast and remind you to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you enjoy your podcast listening. And if you can do us a solid, please rate and review us as well. It will go a long way in amplifying our episodes.